This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. He's so good. He's called us. He spoke to us. He's called us. He's chosen you. I love him so much. God is so good. I'm still overwhelmed, but I'm so glad I'm not crying this week uh, because last week was rough. My eyes hurt so bad. (laughs) Um, Are you guys okay if I do a quick recap because I love you? All right, here we go. We're, we're probably going to go super fast or super slow. His ways are better. So we'll, we'll lean to the Holy Spirit. Uh, let's go to Jeremiah first because Jeremiah just touches my heart and we should all read it at least once a day so we can remember who we are. <laughs> and this is really cool. I don't think if I, I got a chance to tell you guys this last week, but Jeremiah was the author for First Kings. Isn't that cool? A little bit of history there. Uh, I love how Holy Spirit did that because I was just spending time with him. He's like, go to Jeremiah. And I'm like, well, what about first Kings? Like, that's the whole point of the notes. And he was like, you'll have fun. So I went to Jeremiah, read Jeremiah, wrecked my entire life, brought it to you guys. I hope it wrecked your entire life in a good way. And then later I found out that he's actually the author of first Kings. I just love how God connects things together. So every time you, you behold him, every time you choose him, every time you say yes to him, you're part of this big plan. <laughs> You're part of his big plan. I just love how intentional God is. And, and that's, that's the whole point that I want to share with you guys today is how intentional he is with your heart. And if we can just give him a chance, if we can just choose him, if we can, if we can choose to just say yes to him, if we can just trust him in the midst of chaos, in the midst of, of something not going the way we thought it was going to go. If we can just trust him in that, if we can trust him without our brain knowing what's happening, like that's, that's, that's the place that I want us to be at all times. And I wish I could tell you that it's comfortable and everything's sunshine and rainbows. Um, but I'll tell you this, you, you change. Your, your whole identity changes, your character changes, who you are changes. And, and the person that I want to paint these pictures with is Solomon. Uh, but before we go to 1 Kings, let's read Jeremiah 1. Are you ready? We're going to start in verse 4. We'll go all the way to 10. I'm just going to read it over you. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Say it came to me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Say God knows me. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He made you clean. He made you holy. He set you apart. He chose you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. That means he just called you. He called you here. He called you to the family that you're with. Oh, that's a hard one. I'll tell you why later. (laughs) I had this big healing today with my mom and just remind me to share that at the end, okay? Because that's what happens when you become a new creation. That's what happens when you build relationship with God. You stop depending on yourself for the answers and you have the creator of the universe, the God that's speaking to Jeremiah right now that can give you an answer. It's so freeing. It relieves so much pressure off of you because your whole job was to be a son and a daughter. But then we do something like this. Verse six, then I said, ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak for I am a youth And we broke down last week that youth means young lad, a wee little lad, a little boy, 
And just to recap, when in Jewish cultures, when you're 13, you're still a wee little lad. Your dad says, I'm going to promise you this inheritance, but you're not going to get it till you're 30. So all the way from 13 to 30, you have to wait. Another word for wait is to suffer. (laughs) Oh, I know we don't like that word. But remember, God isn't a punisher. He's a defender. He can't give you the full inheritance because if you do, you'll be like the prodigal son who squandered his inheritance on the things that didn't change the world, right? So instead what he does is he says from 13 to 30, you're going to wait because I'm going to father you. I'm going to develop you. I'm going to build your character. And we're going to see how he did that with Solomon as well. But the Lord said to me, verse seven, do not say I am a youth or a wee little lad for you shall go to all whom I send you. But that's the power right there. It wasn't who Jeremiah said I want to go to. It's whoever the father sends you to. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Anybody afraid right now? Verse 9, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, before we keep going, hand. Remember we read that in the, in the New Testament, that anytime you see the word hand, it's actually the power of the almighty God that created the universe. And if we go to John 1, 1 through 5, I'm just going to read it over you. You don't have to turn there, but it's really good to turn there. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend him. And I love that because they're talking about the deity of Christ. They're talking about the deity of Jesus. So whenever you see the word hand, it's the power of the almighty God. And he's partnering with Jesus to create the world, to create you, to form you. Are you guys with me? Did that make sense? Right? It's him and Jesus working together. And that's very powerful because Solomon, when we read in first Kings, he's the foreshadowing. He's the picture that God wants to show you of what Jesus is going to look like. And it's really beautiful because the things that Solomon does on the world and the earth at that time was a picture for us to see what he does with us. And we'll get there. Are you guys still with me? Nine, then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. That's a lot of authority. I love how we have to do it with him. Because if not, who knows what we're going to do with our authority. You guys with me? All right, first Kings, here we go. I'm going to read a little bit, probably go really fast, or I might summarize. It depends what the Holy Spirit wants to do. I just, I'm just so yielded to him right now. I just fully trust him. Um, we're actually going to, let me see, let me see where to go. Oh, oh, okay. I really want to go to verse two. I mean, chapter two. So I'll summarize verse one for you guys. Are you ready? Just I forgot about the recap. We're still in the recap. (laughs) Uh, So what happened here in chapter one, it's so beautiful. God painted this picture for me, okay? I was in this place where um, I was like, God, what happened when I gave my life to you? What happened when I actually said, God, I give you my heart. I no longer want it. 
I'm going to trust that you are this good God that I've been hearing about because I've never heard about the love of God before. And that moment when I was 18, I said, here you go, God, have my heart. I don't know what to do with it. And then all of a sudden, depression left and anxiety left. And I felt like a new creation, right? Pastor, uh, Pastor Nate came and he talked about something never before seen again. And it was beautiful because before when you saw me, you saw a sad little kid. After that moment, I was happy, <laughs> For the first time, I thought I could feel clear. I, I, I didn't want to end my life. I felt like I had purpose in life, right? A brand new creation, something never before seen. And so when I was talking to, to Father God, he was like, let me show you what happened in the spirit realm. And that's how he brought me to First Kings. And in reading First Kings, it was so beautiful because King David spoke, right? So there's, a, there's King Solomon. Well, there's Solomon at the time. He's not a king yet. Solomon and then his brother Adonijah. And Adonijah was actually the firstborn, right? So he was supposed to inherit the throne from King David once he died because King David was old, but he still had authority. He still had power because he was the king. Say king. And when the king speaks, things happen, right? Amen. So what ended up happening was Adonijah's like, I'm going to take the throne. I have legal right to take the throne. To me, when I saw that, I started seeing sin had legal right in my life at the time because of what happened in the fall right? Are you guys still with me? Do you guys agree or disagree? Right. So what ended up happening is that he's trying to sit on the throne, but then God said, I don't, I called this person to sit on the throne and his name was Solomon. And it was the minute he was born. He said, I love him so much. And I want him to have the throne, even though he's only the fourth one in line. And I love that. That makes me feel so good because that means that God doesn't care about how inadequate you feel you are. He doesn't care about how much shame you have in your life. He doesn't care about how much guilt you have in your life, how much you think you sin, how much you don't think you're enough. God said, I'm going to choose you regardless because I love you. Amen. That's good news, right? So what ended up happening was Solomon didn't take a sword and went out and fought Adonijah. This is what happened. King David said, call the priest, call the prophet and call the authority of the king, which was the mighty men. It was the priest and the prophet. And then when the king spoke, that's when the three of them went and took Adonijah off the throne. And this is so beautiful. They put Solomon on a mule. Who else was on a mule or a donkey? If you read your Bible. Yes, come on. And where was he going? Yes, come on. He was going. Yeah, he was. Okay, I don't have time to go to that part, but that part got me excited how they were all connecting just how Jeremiah was the author of 1 Kings and God said, you should read this because it connects what's happening in your life. What are the little things he's speaking to you and how are they all connecting for your good? And um, it's so beautiful because those three things, the, the highest prophet, the highest king, and the highest priest is actually what Christ means. It's all the anointing. So it's really cool to be able to see Christ pictured all the way in the Old Testament like that. And it was so cool because the authority of the king comes and he kills Adonijah. He kills the thing that had legal right on the throne of our lives. For us, it was probably sin. It was probably depression. It was anxiety. It was anger. It was hurt. It was me, myself, and I, and no one else. Right? But the authority of the king, he spoke and Jesus Christ or the anointing of the Christ came and dethroned that thing. And they put Solomon on the throne. You remember Solomon is the foreshadowing, the picture, the prototype of the Messiah of Jesus. So who sits on the throne? Jesus sits on the throne of your life. And the throne of the life is the thing that has all the power. That's actually what throne means. It means the thing that has the first word and the last word of your life. 
So for me, depression had the first and the last word in my life. But then Jesus came and he has so many good words, <laughs> more than I can contain, more than I can comprehend. Are you guys still with me? Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful picture. So close your eyes just for two seconds and let's picture that moment when you gave your life to God. When you said, God, I'm gonna, I don't know what this is. Maybe it's the sinner's prayer. I don't even know what that is. I didn't say the sinner's prayer. (laughs) But I know I had that encounter with God where I spoke and I said, God, you can have my life. I don't even know if you are savior, but I heard that you are. I don't even know if you are my defender, but I heard you are. In that moment, this happened. There was an exchange of the throne. All right, good job. I love that. And it's beautiful. So if we go to chapter two in First Kings, this is kind of where we ended off, okay? So we ended off at this part where David the father is instructing Solomon, right? And as he's instructing Solomon, he's saying, these people should eat at your table. These people definitely shouldn't eat at your table. And it's really beautiful. The father is telling the son who you should let have part of your blessing, who you should partner with. Because if somebody comes and sit at your table, it's completely different than a Thanksgiving dinner where it's like, I'm gonna be nice to that person because I'm only gonna see them once <laughs> once this year. So I just gotta fake it till I make it. Anybody been there before? Yeah, just the two of us, three of us. I mean, I've never been like that. I'm sorry. I'm never, no, I'm just playing. Um, but you know, that happens where you're like, I just have to fake it. Well, here back in the day, if you got invited to sit at the king's table, it means that everything the king had, you had access to as well. So that means the provisions were there, the blessings were there, the money was there, the ability to succeed, all the connections that the king had, you had access to that as well. So when we got born again, when we became new creations, when we gave our life to God, we had access to sit at this table. And the father sits at this table. The king sits at this table. And if you were here last week, we got a chance to get rid of the thing that was stopping us from sitting at that table with the king. We could do that right now too, if you like. Yeah. So whatever is stopping you from sitting at that table, whatever's stopping you from feeling like you're not worthy of sitting at that table, we just put the face of Jesus there. We just put the Christ there. We put the highest priest, the highest king, and the highest prophet, the mouthpiece of God, the mediator of God, and the power of God to come before and wipe that away so we can sit there. And sitting at this table is so powerful. (laughs) And um, I just want to read this part for you guys because, again, to me, it just paints this picture of what God did with that sin or what Jesus just did with that. Because we kind of don't see the exchange that happens. We can, sometimes I used to picture Jesus taking a sword out and like chopping the head of whatever that thing was. And I was like, yeah, you know, but I had just finished watching Gladiator. So everything was head chopping, you know, left and right. And, um, and, and so, but it's funny, right? Like the thing that we behold is the thing that we imagine. And it's the thing that we picture, right? I was focusing on Gladiator and through my own filter, it was just a movie, but through the filters of God, he was like, this is what I'm doing. I'm taking a sword out, which is the sword of the spirit, and I'm 
beheading the thing that's trying to keep you down. So I just want to read this to you guys because I want to, I want you to see what they did to Adonijah. It just makes me so happy. I feel bad for Adonijah as a person, but that's not the point. Okay. The point is we're looking at this picture. Are you ready? Now, Adonijah, the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And this is verse 13. So she said, do you come peacefully? And he said, peacefully. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. Then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine and all Israel had their expectations on me that I should reign. However, the kingdom has been turned over. Come on, say turned over. Come on. My life has been turned over. Say that. Declare it. Come on. And has become my brother's. For it was him from the Lord. From the who? From the Lord. Come on. Your life is from the Lord. Ooh. 16, now I ask one petition of you, do not deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shumanite's wife. And that's kind of at the beginning where King David had a, connections with uh, a young servant girl to strengthen the kingdom, to make it look like he still had authority. Now, Adonijah uh, is trying to come back, take her to say, oh, I am now with the king's girl. <laughs> I should take over the throne. And that kind of happens, right? Where we're having these beautiful moments with God. We're having these sweet, intimate moments with God. And next thing you know, something comes and they're like, can I take the place of that? Can I just, can you just scoot over for a little bit? I want to sit here for a while. And I want to take over your kingdom again. But this is what Jesus does. I love this. So Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak for you to the king. Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon. I love that. It's so beautiful. He changed from Solomon to king to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. This is so funny. 21. So she said, let Abishag, the Shumanite, be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. And King Solomon answered and said to his mother, now, why do you ask Abishag, the Shumanite, for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also. For he is my older brother, for him and for Abithar the priest. And these are the people that betrayed him. And for the Joab, the son of Zura. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord saying, may God do so to me. And more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. <sighs> Come on, you don't have to speak anything. Oh, never mind, I'll leave that alone. 24, now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised Adonijah shall be put to death today. What do you need to be putting to death today? I love this. Are you ready? This is my favorite part. Solomon didn't do it. He's a king. 25, so King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. And remember, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, is one of the mighty men, the authority of the king, the sword of the king. Now, beautiful. Okay, so we're there, right? We're in this place where sin got dethroned. The thing that had authority, the first and the last word is gone. Adonijah is dead. You're ruling, you're at the table, you're hanging out. And this is the part that, that really moved my heart too. We get born again. We're brand new creations. And I have a picture that everything should be sunshine and rainbows. That everything should just be fixed like that, right? That nobody should cut me off on 66. That when I work, my employer should be the nicest employees I've ever had in my life because I'm the king, right? That everything should go my way. 
And this is what I love about God. He's so good. The thing is that God shows up in the midst of those disappointments, in the midst of that chaos. He shows up and he gives us answers. So if we go to chapter three, we're going to see Solomon. He's going through something really hard. Think about this. We had highlighted King Solomon back in 22 because king means that now he sits on the throne, but really he sat on this throne because his dad died. That's a hard one. I I had a dad die and that's hard, right? Messed me up. I had to go to God. I had to talk to him. I was trying to figure out by myself. So this is not a happy time for Solomon, right? Not only that, he has pressures applied to him because now he made a treaty with Egypt. And, and this is what I love too. The, the, the people had just escaped Egypt <laughs> and now they're forming alliances together. Anyways, you know, it, it just blows my mind how that happened, right? Like the ones that used to be slaves are now an authority of the people that were the masters of them. Only God could do that. I don't know, that just, that just moves my heart. So Solomon says, now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. And then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house <laughs> and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the highest places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Verse three, and Solomon loved the Lord. Come on now, say the Lord, the Lord loves me. Come on, walking in the status of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. So he was able to worship God even more. Oh, that's so beautiful. We stand on people's, <laughs> we stand on people's ceilings. You know, I used to hear people saying that all the time. And it's like, this building wasn't here. This church actually started in a basement. And then now we have two buildings. And this building's paid off and the next one's going to get paid off. And we get to sit here and worship God with this cool sound system. But it was because there were people that went before us. So now we can worship God even more. And we didn't have to do a thing. We just had to sit there and say yes to the king. Are you guys okay with me? Are you guys good? And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the status of his father, David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Verse four, now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Can you imagine that? Mr. Mark and I were talking about that. What does a thousand burnt offerings look like? I mean, that's a thousand cows, right? Like a thousand bulls or or a thousand lambs? You imagine a thousand lambs in here? Like... He said, I'm going to take him up a mountain and I'm going to sacrifice them all. Really, they were just, he was trying to say, this is how much I want to give to God. I want to give him everything and more because he's done so much for me and my family. <laughs> Verse five, at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? You know, and there's so many ways we can go here at this point, but there's something that I just want to say to you guys. And, and I was I almost said, I'm not a worshiper, but then I realized I am because I just sung these songs about the defender to my God. 
had nothing to do about me singing, playing the guitar, playing piano. It had to be me beholding God. So I was worshiping the king. I was worshiping him. So this means that God answers to worship. That means that God answers whether you brought one little bull and one little lamb or a thousand. Really, God answers when you turn to him, when you sit at that table, when you behold him rather than the thing that's trying to keep you down, rather than focusing on the death that came upon your family, you still say, God, you're good and I'm going to worship you and this is where I'm at, have my entire heart. And then God comes and he meets you. Anybody ever have that? Is it just me? Is it just Solomon? The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? I love this. Verse six. And Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king instead of my father, David, which means my dad died. I'm suffering a loss here, God. He was honest with him, but I am a little child or a wee little lad. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen. Isn't that beautiful? He's telling him, God, it's not sunshine and rainbows right now. I'm in the midst of chaos. I'm way over my head. I've just experienced a great loss in my life. He's being honest with God. And this is worth a thousand burnt offerings. This moment of beholding him, this moment of worship with him, this moment of telling him and expressing your heart to God, articulating how you feel towards him. because he chose to sit at the table with God. A great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Verse nine, therefore give to your servant an understanding heart. Ah, to judge your people that I might discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours. This is so beautiful. Are you ready? Verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. 11, then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. Say heart. I love that. I love that because for me, if it was up to me and my brain, I would have been like, God, surround me with the 12 smartest people in the world. You know, I'd be like, surround me with like the people that are going to build the plane, the people that are going to build the, the telephone, the people that are going to, you know, break the four minute mile. You know what? And for fun, give me Jimi Hendrix because I need some music. You know, like I would have like gone in time past, present, future and been surrounded with them. But the way that God works is he talks to your heart. He speaks to the thing that's going to grow you. You know why? Because he wants to father you. 
because he wants to be the king in your life, because he has words that he wants to impart to you. And there's so many times when we miss this moment of being fathers, moment of change in our lives and our heart, because we're so busy looking at what we don't have or what we lost. Where God is in the mission of changing our identity and our character. Another word for that is he's in the business of fathering you because you are his creation. And that's why his ways are so much better than our ways. So this new creation life doesn't mean that everything on earth goes away. It means that you no longer have to have all the answers. You get to do exactly what Solomon did here in this moment of worship with God It was a divine exchange. It was exactly what the picture of Jeremiah happened. He spoke to him. He said, I am young, father me. And God put his hand on his heart and said, this is what you need at this moment. But this is the beautiful thing. We all have a choice. That's what makes all this so powerful. We can choose to keep it. We can choose to say no to it. We can choose to say, God, that's silly. Give me Jimi Hendrix. You know, make me feel better for a little bit. Instead, he's like, no, 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 I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this word. You know, we've been talking every Sunday about rhema words, this word of power, this word that changes literally who you are. Are you guys okay? Yeah. And that, then he does this. Once he changes your identity, who you are, remember back to the 13 going on 30. Isn't that a movie? Uh, the 13 going on to 30. What happens between that period of 13 to 30? He fathers you. Come on, Solomon lost his earthly father. Who better else to father him than the father of the universe? Yeah, it's so amazing. Look, this. this is so beautiful right here. I have done according, verse 12, behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone like you arise after you. Remember, he's, he's picturing Jesus. He's foreshadowing Jesus. He's giving you a picture of the wisdom that Jesus has, which means that we can trust when we experience, when we encounter, when we hear the word of the Lord. We can trust them. 13, and I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor. <sighs> what a good God. I think he's just showing off at that point. <laughs> That's when he's like, oh, I got Jimi Hendrix and the telephone guy and Edison. This is so good. I didn't even know that. But thank you, God, that you developed me first so I know how to handle the riches and the glory and the honor. No? But that's the moment. We don't want to do what Pastor Abel taught us last module. We don't want to wait. We want it now. But when we lean to God, the one that dethroned sin on our life, that separation, when he brought us together, that same God that meets us in the midst of our chaos, he then changes our heart, changes our identity, and gives us exactly what we need for that season to then maximize the inheritance that he later gives us. Anybody at peace after that? Because I felt really peaceful after that. 
I was like, God, I need, I need my car payment now. I know you gave me this car, so you got to do this now. And he's like, we're not talking about that right now. Right now, I want to father you. And I'm like, God, I wish I had Jimi Hendrix right now. I know I keep saying him, but you know, I was like, I wish I had a distraction right now instead. Or I wish I just had that money so we can get this over with, you know? I was like, give me the money, just pay the car off. And he was like, no, 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 no. You need this. You need to learn this principle right now. And it's okay because in this principle, there's things that don't need to exist or there are adonijahs that are lingering there that don't need to sit at the table and its head's going to come up and I'm going to come with my authority and I'm going to kill it. That's the point of the character development. Think about it. That 13-year-old, he's not ready to handle the family business because he's going to drive it to the ground. So anytime a principal that didn't come from the father shows up, the father gets to come and say, we don't need that in this business. You need this in this business. Still with me? And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your all your days. So if you walk in my ways, I love this, to keep my status and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. I don't know. I just, when I read that, so if you walk in my ways and keep my status and my commandments, I used to read that and think it was such a bad word. But then I thought about what Jesus said when he said, I only do what I see the father do. I only say what I hear the father say. And I don't know about you, but every time I read my Bible, miracles happen when Jesus would show up. 15, I love this. Then Solomon awoke. <laughs> I don't know. That makes me laugh so much. Like, oh, this, everything I just said, and he was just sleeping. <laughs> he was just being a son. Back to what Pastor Abel would say. He just gave up and fell into the arms of a loving father. He was at rest. Then Solomon awoke. And indeed, it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. What a good king. Are you ready? This is the part that I love. So we, we get this change in our heart, right? We become new creations, sins destroyed. We're like, oh God, like stuff is still going south in my life. What do I do? And he comes, he gives you this rhema word. You leave church, you're singing hallelujah. You're ready to go and preach to all the nations. And then next thing you know, something that is very difficult comes your way and you forget everything that just happened to you. Does that not happen? Is it just me? Nobody else? That doesn't happen to anybody else? Where like things come and you're like, oh, I, I know how to deal with this. I'm going to do it my way. But, but that's the point of being fathered. It's like the father never leaves. So then you turn back to the father and you're like, oh, yeah, the word you gave me, I have wisdom now. And that word wisdom means to have depth perception. It means to be able to see the whole picture. It also means that you know what is right and what is wrong. If you ever feel conviction in your life, that's God speaking to you saying, this is right. This is probably going to lead you to death. Don't choose death because I love you so much and I have the power to take care of it. Are you ready? So we're going to look at an example that Solomon did. 16. Now two women who were harlots. I don't know if you ever looked up the definition of what a harlot is. Yeah, it's a prostitute. Come on. It's okay. We can say that. We can say that word. They were prostitutes, right? So the picture that I started getting was like, man, I don't wonder if they smelled good. I wonder if they were dressed appropriate when they came before the king. You get this? Like they came into a palace. Like you can only come in there if you're like royalty, right? You, you wear your best shirt that day. 
you wear your best scarf that day, right? We do it for church. We wear our best shoes that day, right? Imagine, I, I, I think I love this part right here. These two women who are just probably horrible, who don't have the appearance of other people, still have access to come with their shame, with their guilt. They're still able to come before the king with their problems. Because of the death that just happened in one of their lives and the thing that someone else is trying to rob them of, they're still allowed to come. The revelation right there is it doesn't matter your shame, your guilt, the way you're dressed, what's going on with you, your past, your present, your future. You're allowed to come before the king with your problems. Mm. Now, two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that the woman also gave birth and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And the woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. Verse 20. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. 21. And when I rose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. That's actually really good. Thank God she knew. 22. Then the other woman said, no, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. Oh, it sounds like when sin tries to sneak, when he tries to come back, when he's saying, this is the truth, you don't really have life. The Bible isn't real. That's just your imagination. That's just your brain. Why are you singing empty songs? If God was real, this wouldn't have happened. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son and the living one is my son. Love that. She stood up. Mm -hmm. She plead her case. I love this. Thus, they spoke before the king. 23, are you ready? And the king said, the one, the one says that uh, this is my son who lives and your son is the dead one. And the other one says, no, but your son is the dead one and my son is the living one. I love that. He's just repeating back saying, okay, okay. Is this the, the plan? Is this what's going on? I love how God says that to us sometimes. He's like, I already know what's going on, but you tell me. Okay, is this what's going on? Sounds like a very loving father. There's so many times where um, I've had, I had my fathers teach me stuff, right? Like I love to learn all the time. And then they'll teach me something and I'm like, you sure you wanted me to cut it this way? And then I'll come back and I'm like, I think I cut it wrong. <laughs> like, are you sure I was supposed to cut it this way? Are you sure I was supposed to cut it this way? Are you sure I was supposed to cut it this way? And you know what? Not once have they turned and they were like, you're such an idiot. Why didn't you understand it the first time? Right? Like, I don't know. To me, I love being surrounded by teachers that are able to do that with us. And then I thought, well, if a man can do that here on earth, how much better is God? How much better is God? Maybe, you know, in the morning, I wasn't thinking right. I brought it this way. And then he repeated back to me. And I'm like, you know what? Now that you said it, God, (laughs) maybe, maybe, maybe I was putting, beholding, and I was focusing on the wrong thing. I, I just love these characteristics of how good of a father God really is. He's very faithful. Are you guys still okay? Then the king said, bring me a sword. Oh my gosh, that's not what I was looking for. Oh my, I didn't know. But what do you have the sword for? <laughs> wait, wait, why, why, are you, why are you touching that part of my heart? I don't want to deal with that trauma. I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I, what's up with the sword? <laughs> so they brought a sword before the king 
And the king said, divide the living child in two and get half to one and half to the other. Okay, God just lost his mind. He lost his mind. Why is he telling me this thing? This doesn't line up with what I want. I came here asking this. Instead, he has a sword and he's going to make me lose this thing. 26, then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king for she yearned with compassion for her son. And she said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But the other said, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. Sin doesn't want you alive. (laughs) The enemy does not want you alive. He wants you dead. Such a simple indicator, yet powerful, but such a simple indicator of is this the thing I should be beholding? Is this the thing I should be allowing at the king's table? I love this, 27. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. So wise, right? So wise. I love this part. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered and they feared the king. Another word for fear there is respect. For they or reverence, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Come on, say the word in him. That's so beautiful. Okay, so you're this new creation. Are you guys still okay? Okay, so you're this new creation, right? Never before seen. Sin is, is, is taken away. You're sitting at the table. Everything's going great. Then a loss happens in your life, something you weren't expected to happen. But then you come, you worship with God. You spend time with the king in whatever way you want to worship him. Right now, the fact that you're even beholding him and the word of God means that you're worshiping him, which means you have the ability to dream with him right now, which means you have the ability for him to come and speak directly to your heart right here, right now, regardless of what you feel is holding you back. Are you guys still with me? And then after that, which means that he's fathering you. But then after the fathering comes what we would call a trial. And it doesn't come from... To me, I just feel like there's so many interpretations of trials. I feel like anything that comes from God is always going to grow me, mature me, make me better, make me cling on to him. I don't believe that God brings death because we just read that he created the world so he can only create. But yet this trial comes from the world. And if we lean to our own understanding, which is so beautiful because then Solomon actually writes that in Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean to your own understanding. Don't lead to your own ways, lead into the ways of the King, of the Lord, of the identity of the word that he gave you and put inside of you. Lean into those things. Because then when the next thing comes, that trial comes, the thing that you have no answer for comes, you turn to the king and what he gave you. And he's going to do something that you've never seen, heard, or imagined. He's going to do something that's so much better than your ways. So I'm not here to promise you that your life is going to be sunshine and rainbows. I'm here to promise you that you're never going to be alone. I'm here to promise you that you're never going to have to deal with the world by yourself ever again. Are you guys still with me? I wanted to get into a little bit more stuff, um, but it's already 822. Okay, okay, okay. uh, I'm just going to recap this one because... It just makes me really happy, okay? I'm just going to summarize this, okay? Are you guys still with me? I'm going to talk a little bit fast because I'm running out of time, okay? 
So we're going to go to 1 Kings and we're going to go all the way to chapter 6. Okay, are you guys okay? All right, here we go. So this is so cool, right? So so Solomon ends up getting his wisdom. He the the wisdom, the character development that God gave him made him so powerful that he literally transformed the entire nation. It expanded from the north, from the south, from the east, and the west. Anyone want that in their life? Well, you have to be fathered by God first. You have to be okay with him coming into your life and developing your heart. You have access to him now as a new creation, something never before seen. Right. And as that happens, you start to expand in the kingdom. You, your authority starts to expand at your workplace. Your authority starts to expand in your family. But most important, your authority starts to expand in your heart. And so Solomon takes over <laughs> a lot of the kingdom to the point where literally all the borders were so safe. They were so safe and they had prosperity. They were literally feasting as kings. Like they were having meals every single day. It was crazy. But he had an abundance of money. He had an abundance of gold. The relationships that he made with his enemies, with people that were against him was so beautiful. They're actually working for him. (laughs) They're actually sending him all of the finest things. So crazy. And this is what he decides to do. Solomon decides to build a temple for the Lord. And it was actually a temple and the blueprint designs was given to David, but David didn't have any peace around his borders just yet. So if he had built it, then enemies would came and destroy the temple. Right. And he also shed way too much blood <laughs> and conquering all this stuff. He was like, hey, you, you, good job. Good job. Good and faithful servant. You killed a lot of people though. Like we will leave this for your son. Right. But the picture that happens is this. It's so beautiful. Cause remember Solomon is supposed to be the, the picture of Jesus. And he decides to build a temple. Oh. Remember we, we read it in John that at the beginning was the word. And the word was with him and the world was created through him. And so here comes Solomon and he's building a temple. And we we can read the whole thing from six to eight. And we can read about how he brought the finest things, how he brought the the best trees and the best lumber and gold, (laughs) bronze, silver. They were so careful of how they built this temple that you couldn't even hear any chiseling, any hammering with inside of the temple grounds. You, we can read about how many cubit feet they were, which, which is 1.5 foot. You know, they're going like 20 feet high, 300 feet long. Like it's crazy how big and magnificent and, and, and amazing this temple that Solomon is building. And at the end, this happens. Verse 8, oh, chapter 8, verse 10. Yes. Are you ready? And it came to pass. So he finished building it. I had to summarize it for you. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place. When the priests came out of the holy place, out of the temple. When the priests, think about that. Who is the highest priest? When the highest priest came out of the temple, that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. Another word for that word cloud is the presence of the Lord filled that temple.
Okay. I don't know if you caught it, but this is the picture that God was showing me. We are the temple (laughs) and he spared no expense in making you the house of the Lord. Another word for house is a vessel, a container, a power source, an outlet. He spared no expense when Father God and Jesus created you and he filled you with the presence of the Lord. So you are a carrier of the presence of the Lord. But what does that mean? (laughs) What does that mean? It means that you're never alone. It means that when you don't have an answer or the world doesn't have an answer, God has an answer specifically for you. I'm going to close with this. Are you guys still okay? Did you guys catch that last part? Because I thought we would be a little more excited. The fact that he like spared no expense in making you and making your heart. Yeah, it's so overwhelming. And then filling you with his presence. You're worth it. Kind of how Jeremiah said it. That I formed you. I spared no expense before your mother's womb. Yeah, so beautiful. So, this is the, the story I'm going to end with, right? So it was actually today, uh, the past couple of weeks, um, I've, I've, I've struggled with like being snappy. Anybody get snappy? You know what I mean when I say snappy? It's like, I don't want to say it's anger because like, I don't really get anger. Like I, don't, I, I used to get angry and I used to do really bad stuff, like put holes in walls, do crazy stuff like that, right? So I know it's not anger. And, um, but still, either way, I was snappy, had a little bit of attitude, I think these are all the kind words that my wife would say if she was here and she did it. <laughs> and I was sitting there, you know, and, and, and then today I was just like, God, I just know as, as I was reading the word, I could just feel like the, the, the hearted ladies, you know, I was like, man, I know, I know I'm alive. <laughs> I know I'm not dead. I know that that thing, that baby was dead and there's a living baby living inside of me. So what, what is this anger doing here? What is this snappiness? What is this attitude doing here? I don't know what to do with it. And I decided to be like Solomon <laughs> and say, I have no answer. I'm going to you, God, because I'm a brand new creation. You spared no expense when it came to making me and my heart. So you know exactly how I'm built. So what do you want to tell me? And he showed me this. Are you guys ready? He said, your, your, your snappiness, your attitude is coming from this place where this Adonijah is popping its head <laughs> and you need to go and ask for forgiveness. And I said, hold up. I have to ask for forgiveness? I feel like whoever, whoever's responsible for this should be coming and, for, and asking me for forgiveness. You know, I have to forgive them, you know? And, uh, and God was like, oh, okay, okay, okay. He was like, he was like, it's okay. He was like, remember the sword? It's coming in a way that you didn't think. You think it's against you. You think it's coming to kill you, but it's not. It's coming here to divide spirit and the truth, right? You guys still with me? So then this thing came and divided me and it hit me. And he said, He said this, he said, you need to forgive your mom. 
And I said, okay, okay, that's, that's easy. I can forgive her. That's, that's good. There's, there's a problem with her. There's nothing wrong with me. So then I went and I was like, mom, I forgive you. You know, I did the whole table thing because, you know, I felt like she was stopping me from sitting at the table. So, you know, gave her to God. Thank God he didn't cut her head off. He just took her away in my picture. Okay. You guys still with me? So, so, you know, she took her away and I still felt different. I was like, God, what's, what's happening right now? What do you want me to do? Like, I keep trying to find the answer by myself, but I just read that I need to come to you to find all the answers, just how Solomon seek wisdom. And then everything else was added to you. And it reminds me of Matthew 13, 35 or 33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and all things would be added to you. So here I am seeking the thing of God, because I know he spared no expense in making me. And he said, what you need to do is you need to call your mom and you need to ask if she can forgive you. And I said, no, God, <laughs> like, I, this makes no sense. This makes no sense. And he was like, that's okay. He was like, if you want to still hold on to your attitude to, to what was supposed to be dead, you can. You have a choice. Or we can handle this together because I have a bigger plan, I have a bigger purpose. And I said, okay. So I look at my phone. Lord, behold, my, I had a missed call. Guess from who? I know, I know, I know. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. And, and I wish, you know, God would do more of that stuff because then I'm like, I know that's you, Lord. We're going to do this thing. You know what I mean? But I'm just saying, you know, that's my situation right now, right? I was literally over there by that camera when I looked at my phone. I was like, I got to call this. I got to call my mama. So I go and I call her and I was like, well, hopefully she won't answer <laughs> because, because this is me being honest with you because I'm like, but then I was obedient and I did what David said to do Solomon, follow all my commandments. You're going to fill me with your presence. I only do and say what the Lord tells me to say. So I'm using scripture to help me. And, and I'm like, if she doesn't answer, I'm good. I was obedient. We don't have to deal with this. And then, you know, it's ringing, it's ringing, it's ringing. And I'm like, coast clear, coast clear. And then she answers. <laughs> And I said, all right, Lord, I was like, all right, Lord, I quit. I fall into the hands of a loving father. I'm going to let the anointing of Christ come and lead this conversation because I am just your temple and your vessel, but I am a new creation and I have no answers here. And then we did a little bit of talking back and forth. I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm eating some fried chicken. And I was like, fried chicken sounds great. And God was like, stop messing around. Let's do this thing. And I was like, yes, my Lord, let's do this thing. And I was like, mom. I'm actually calling you to ask for your forgiveness. And as I said that, then so much more was being revealed in my heart. And it was when I was younger, before I was born again, before I was this new creation, the only emotion I showed my mother was anger and snappiness and frustration. I never cried in front of her. I was never joyful around her because I wanted to protect myself because that's what Adonijah's do, orphans people that haven't been fathered by God, they protect themselves and push people away. But then when the anointing of Christ comes, you become a brand new creation. Then you have this boldness that you have no idea where it comes from. There's healing that happens that you have no idea. There's a bigger picture that you have no idea about. There's stuff in the Old Testament that then you start to put together and see how that affects my life right now, how it affects the New Testament. Are you guys still with me? So I go and I'm obedient. I'm like, please forgive me for never showing you any emotions other than anger and frustration. And as soon as I said that, again, I just felt a release. And this is my favorite part. Are you ready? Because it's not just about you and your healing and all about you. It's about the people you're with and the Jesus that's living in them. And she tells me, today I was thinking about 
how bad of a mother I was to you. All by herself. I didn't have to say anything. I didn't say, you did this stuff. That's why I'm angry. It had nothing to do with that. I submitted to what the father wanted to do, what the king wanted to do. And I did my part and he did the rest. And she came and she said, I was such a bad mom. Can you forgive me? You know, and I thought it was going to be one of these emotional moments where I'm crying, she's crying, but instead we're laughing. And I was like, she's laughing, I'm laughing. You know, she's probably eating fried chicken. It's the best time. And, and I'm there and, and then I start laughing and God was like, this isn't normal laughter. This is what I'm giving you in return by sitting at the table. I'm giving you joy for mourning. You guys with me? Yeah. But I had to humble myself and come by the authority of the Christ. And he picked me up and put me on my donkey and brought me to the kingdom to do the will of the father. Because if he was so intentional with making this temple, he's so intentional with his ways. And that's what new creation life looks like. You don't have the answers. And if you did have the answers, his way was so much better. I would have never guessed that my mom would get healing in that moment. And then I start ministering to her about her mom, her dad, and we go down this whole beautiful rabbit trail that I didn't even know was going to be there. A lot like Solomon, he's just being obedient to God, wrote Proverbs, wrote Ecclesiastes. He didn't even know he was the prototype of the Messiah. He was just being a son with God, being a new creation, really. He said yes to the call from God just because God loved him. Does this all make sense? Okay. Just, I had to bring that story because it was very uncomfortable and I wanted to run away. But instead, I offered my sacrifice to God, much like Solomon did. And he met me. And he gave me something that changed my identity and my character, but also changed the multitudes of God's people. Because who knows who else my mom's going to affect. And then when I have kids, she's going to have to be the grandma to these kids, right? My kids are God's chosen people. Now, I can keep going for another 45 minutes, but I won't because I'm sure you guys are tired. So let's just, let's just close our eyes. And like, let's really, really, really understand the magnitude of what it's like to be born again. Let's really understand what happened in the pictures that were painted when we said, God, I give you everything. I give you my heart, my soul, my brain my mind, my body. I give it all to you, God. And I allow you to get rid of the sin in my life, the Adonijah in my life. And I allow you, I allow you to get rid of the orphan in my heart. I allow you to get rid of the loneliness in my heart. I allow you to to take away the places where I feel I need to do it all alone and all by myself because you spare no expense on this heart and on this temple that your presence fills. And we thank you for doing that. We thank you for doing that. Yeah. And if we need to forgive anybody right now, we allow him to show it to us. And remember what happened with the harlots. showed up with a sword, it made no sense. So whoever God is showing you right now and you don't feel like it makes sense, just go with it. Allow him to divide it.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And this is the part where obedience comes in. You get to ask God, what do you want me to do now? And if he tells you, don't, you don't have to go to speak to this person, then you don't have to. That's okay. Follow what the king is saying. But if he's telling you to go and ask for forgiveness or to be forgiven, you follow that lead because he's with you and it's his ways and he's the defender. So we love you and, and you know what? We bless the people that are in here. We thank you that they are blessed. We thank you that the anointing is with them and they get to just surrender and fall into the arms of a loving father right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love you guys. Thanks for sticking through with me all this. <laughs>